Welcome to our podcast, Rooting for Tarzan, the Socialization of Blacks and Whites in American Society. I'm Bob Pellegrino, and with my partner, Michael Jefferson, we're going to be talking about the socialization process uh, in general, and we will eventually get specific as well. A little bit of background, Mike and I have been close friends, best friends, really, for over 30 years now. I met Mike um, really by chance uh, over an article that was in the New Haven Register. The uniqueness of our relationship really is borne out by the fact that we're able to talk about a lot of difficult topics and no more difficult than race. While Mike is a very, very dear friend of mine, we've also been able to talk about difficult topics between us, such as race, on a very deep level. Mike hasn't had to hold back with me, and I don't feel I've had to hold back uh, with Mike about some of the preconceived notions, you know, that I've had. So I've learned a lot uh, from Mike, probably as much as anyone besides perhaps my wife about the issues uh, of race. Do you want to say anything, Mike? Do you want to? Well, no, I, I you know, and, and and likewise, I, you know, the, what Bob was, was planning to share um, and, and, and I'll complete his thought was that um, it was, um, I believe in 1988, I was involved in some sort of, uh, uh, political campaign, and um, I was working with a good friend of mine from from college, and um, nature called, and 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 he had to uh, use the restroom, and we were we and 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 he ran into Bob, but you know if I if I go back a bit, um, I was looking for Bob at that time for about a month because uh, the New Haven Register, the local paper had did a story on the uh, 40 most uh, influential leaders in the region. And I was fortunate enough to be chosen as one of those individuals. And they asked the question, um, what is the most pressing problem in the region? And folks said some, had some pretty good responses. They were talking about taxes. They were talking about education. They were talking about transportation and uh, the whole effort around uh uh, regionalization and, and whatever have you. And I said racism. And um, back in those days, this was, you know, uh, pre-internet uh, days, these, uh, you know, uh, folks used to write in to um, the newspaper through the editorial section. And, and Bob happened to write in and, and made some very uh, complimentary uh, statements about my response. And um, he was quite shocked that no one other than myself out of the 40 people interviewed mentioned racism as the most pressing problem in the region. And I tried to get in touch with him for quite some time and I was unable to. And that brings us to the story of the political campaign and my good friend, um, a gentleman by the name of, uh, of Mike uh, Souza was, was uh, with me and he, he, he happened to um, uh, find um, Bob um, in, in, in his office building downtown and he came outside and relieved, of course, and said, Mike, I think I found the guy you're looking for. And it was Bob Pellegrino. And I went up into his office and what I saw was, was basically, you know, uh, took my surprise. It was, uh, uh, the iconic picture of, of, uh, Malcolm and King in 1964 picture, but, um, they were pushing for the civil rights act and uh, on Capitol Hill, and and that was one of the few times those two giants actually 
uh, met uh, publicly at least. And, um, you know, Bob had that picture on the wall. And what was surprising about the, the photo was that, you know, I know a lot of folks, black and white, um, um, you know, hold um, Martin in, in, in high regard, but not necessarily Malcolm. They certainly don't have pictures of Malcolm on their, on their, on their walls. And, and when I saw that picture of Malcolm on Bob's wall with King, it was really um, surprising. And I knew this guy was different and he was special. And we went on um, to have, um, do lunch about two weeks uh, later and, and the friendship uh, blossomed from there. And, and from that time, we, we began to deal with um, this whole issue around race and, um, you know, the I, uh, so many discussions, um, you know, uh, and, and we talked about everything you can imagine about race. And we really wanted to get to the root of it. And, and we started delving into this whole topic of how people are, are, are socialized uh, to think the way you do. And uh, because no one on harboring uh, sexist um uh, beliefs. No one is born harboring feelings of um, uh, inferiority, and no one is born uh, harboring feelings of superiority. So these are uh, learned behaviors, and 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 once you start there, I think you can get um, a good sense of how this, um, how the socialization. Um, that it is a socialization process at work that, um, you know, uh, leads people to become who they are as uh, young adults and, and, and on into adulthood. Bob? Yeah, I, I also want to add one of the things I meant by uniqueness of our friendship is that, you know, Mike and I, black and white men, um, you know, we, we not only socialize together, we we've done things professionally together. We vacation together uh, for many, many years. And I don't know that there's ever a time when Mike and I get together where we don't discuss race in some fashion. And that's what I mean by uniqueness. We're constantly picking each other's mind on the topic and discussing the issues of the day or they may be historical issues that we're going into. We send each other articles. We talk about things that are going on in our lives. You know, in addition to what best friends talk about, of course, but the uniqueness in our, our interracial friendship is that we aren't afraid to discuss this topic. And I think that sort of leads us into what, you know, Mike is just mentioning, this whole socialization process. So, you know, what does it mean to be socialized, particularly, you know, as it pertains to race? You know, I think if one believes that we're born with what was once called a tabula rosa or, or a blank slate, what that means is we're really born without any of those preconceived notions that what we end up thinking about, what we end up believing is really through a socialization process. And that socialization process has to do with what people in our family might tell us, our immediate family, our extended family, what friends might tell us, what the community might reflect. It may also have to do with the schools that we attend. Certainly it's going to, be impacted by the television shows that we watch. And Mike's going to touch more specifically on that afterwards. 
um, the movies we see, the books that we read, all of those are going to be part of a socialization process and no one's immune to it. Um, now, as it pertains to race, for me, as, as a white boy growing up in an almost all Italian town, I didn't really have any interaction with people of color. I didn't know anyone who was black. I didn't speak to anyone who was black on any real level. And certainly I wasn't taught anything about race or about race relations. I mean, if you to go back a second, everyone's born and, and eventually perhaps they let's say they get into a religion. You know, let's say you're you become Catholic or Protestant or Jewish or Muslim. That's the socialization process really at work where you're born into a family that thinks a certain way or a community that thinks a certain way. So I was born into a community and a family that at best didn't discuss race. And at worst, when race was discussed, it was that blacks were less than whites. There's no way around it. I was taught either directly or indirectly that we were better than black folks. That was certainly evident in the TV shows I watched. I don't remember growing up watching any shows that really lifted black folks to the equal status that white people had. Um, besides the rooting for Tarzan or the Tarzan shows, there were plenty of TV shows that made me believe that white was always right. The, the white, the, you know, white is the, is the good, black is the bad. Uh, black men, you know, uh, uh, people who were bad were wearing, you know, black hats. The white hats were the good guys. And many of the movies and shows that I watched had at least, if there was an interracial component to it, had sort of a white savior syndrome where the white person might come in and save the day. So that socialization process um, was very clear. And I think today it's still obvious that uh, the socialization process goes on. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and a bit in more specifics. Mike? Yeah. Um, I want to, since we're talking about the, what influences that socialization process, I like to, you know, talk about uh, uh, Tarzan and, 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 you know, because that's the name of our presentation, Rooting for Tarzan. And we're often asked, you know, what does that mean? Well, as a child, you know, we, you know, those in my generation, you know, watch the Johnny Weissmuller uh, reruns of, 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 of Tarzan that came out originally um, uh, uh, a couple of decades before I was born. And, um, you know, every kid wants to identify with the hero, you know, and Tarzan was the hero. And um, the problem is, you know, was that uh, Tarzan was a white man and I was a black child. And, um, and th those that 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 were uh, denigrated in that movie, in those in those shows, were looked like me. Uh, those who were who were depicted as savages looked like me. Those who um, were depicted as um, uh, buffoons uh, looked like me. Weak, they looked like me. And 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 I didn't want to be them. I wanted to be Tarzan the Lord of the jungle, uh, because that's what kids identify with, the hero, the winner. And so the socialization process begins and, 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 and it helps, it leads blacks, in, 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 in my judgment, uh, to develop a false sense of inferiority because you extrapolate this. So it's not only Tarzan. 
you know, it's 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 the Lone Ranger, for example. It's Batman and Robin. It's Superman. It's you know, it's endless. Even the the the, the movies made by Hollywood. You have blacks are always depicted in a subservient uh, role, subservient um, uh, capacity. So you know, as as the butler, as 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 the maid, as the 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 loyal uh, servant of the um, of the of the of the 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 lead character, who in you know ninety nine percent of the case was 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 white, and 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 so you begin to think a certain way, and, and blacks begin to think a certain way, and whites begin to think a certain way, and blacks begin to develop this false sense of inferiority and, and whites begin to develop a false sense of superiority. And, and let me share this. It's, it's so, it, it, it's, it gives the, the appearance of, of, of being sort of like innocuous. Like it, 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 you wouldn't, you don't see the harm initially, you know, those who are aware immediately understand what's, what's going on. So if I look at a, a movie uh, today, I, I can easily tell right off the rip um, where it's going and 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 how because I look at how the characters are developed and the roles that these characters play and it still goes on today not to the same extent that it once did and 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 certainly uh, it's it's much more subtle and not as overt but but therein lies the problem because it still exists and people are socialized it's just like. Uh, men are socialized to think a certain way about women. You're not born like that. You're not born to think of women as being less than men. You, you, that's developed over time. Talking to other men um, and uh, talking to peers, uh, locker room talk, so to speak, which uh, helps one to develop this um, superiority. Helps men develop a superiority complex about. Uh, towards women. Uh, women are less than. So that's developed. And it's the same with race. And I think once people um, begin to recognize that it's part of the socialization process, it makes it easier to own, right? Because people are constantly fighting this. They're constantly, one of the biggest things is people owning their racism. And Bob and I spent, you know, uh, hour upon hour trying to make this palatable for members of the dominant culture. And it's, it's, and, and it's very difficult to own one, one to own their racism. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's, you know, men have, I think an easier time and Bob, you tell me what you think, but I think men have an easier time owning our sexism than owning um, the other ism, whether if you're white owning racism, if you're black owning the self inferiority complex, because you have blacks who say, "Oh, I'm not a self hater," you know, and 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 trust me, I don't care how Afrocentric you think you are, how woke you think you are, you know, how you dress or, or, or whatever have you. As Bob said, the socialization process impacts all of us, and the key is. Um, trying to doing your best number one to admit it admit that you've been so uh, uh, socialized a certain way and then begin to unlearn that 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 process 
you know, because you, you have to know the origin of your socialization. And then you can uh, begin uh, to to combat it. And Bob and I use a a, a, a sort of um, model to help folks, um, you know, uh, come to terms and to combat um, that particular issue, whether 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 it's um, uh, racism, whether it's uh, sexism or whether it's, you know, having whether it's self-hatred. Bob? Yeah, and I just think that, you know, as whites, we don't think about a lot of this. You know, Mike, we, we I, I don't necessarily feel like, um, you know, privileged or I'm superior as part of the socialization process. I'm thinking this is sort of normal. Like, I, I'm going to be accepted wherever I go. I'm going to walk into a place and people are going to treat me a certain way. And I'm just assuming in my own ignorance that are my denial, which we'll talk about a little later, that that's the way it's supposed to be. And it's only when I start to get into a situation vis-a-vis somebody of color where that superiority may start to creep up on me, where I'm like, well, wait, I'm, I'm better than this person. I'm going to be accepted better than this person. But I think white people kind of blindly go through life thinking this is the way it's supposed to be. You know, I'm, I'm treated a certain way because I'm worth I'm worth that. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I've earned this um, without thinking about, you know, the flip side of, of what's going on or how our actions are, you know, impacting people of color. I mean, I, I, growing up, I like I said, I didn't know any black folks. So black people are almost like cardboard cutouts to white people in certain in certain societies and still are like we don't have any understanding or or uh, or belief in the depth of their humanity. And so if you don't know anybody or, or learn about anybody, how are you going to feel differently about them? I think when we talk about the sexism aspect of it, you know, it's e- it is easier for us um, because most of us have mothers. Many of us have wives. A lot of us have sisters. So a certain amount of that might get checked. No guarantee, but a certain amount of that might get checked or we might hear stories. I know that influenced me. Having three sisters and a mom definitely educated me on, on sexism, but the racial you know, component. No, I'm okay. sorry. I, I wanted to say something about um, something you had alluded to earlier. Um, you, you know, one thing I appreciated about you from the beginning was you listen, and and I think people have a very difficult time. Whites have always had a very difficult time listening to black people uh, talk about racism, and. Um, I remember the first time we spoke and and I was saying all kinds of stuff about it, about the subject matter. And I was talking about separation. I was, um, you know, talking about, you know, real, you know, because um, we we're talking about, you know, solutions. Well, what do you think, Mike? And I said, Bob, I mean, it's, 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 it's at that point we have to consider, you know, um, having something we can call our own because this this thing and you were like shocked you were you know but you listen you never interjected and that was that was important to me because you know every time i have a a, a conversation about whites it's like there's they're ready to talk and 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 not ready to hear uh what what i'm trying to convey as 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 a black man living in American society. And, and and you see it often, like, you know, it's always an excuse. So if I, if I shared an experience, uh, for example, um, we go out 
for lunch and uh, uh, the waiter who happens to be white um, is constantly giving you, um, you know, his or her undivided uh, uh, attention and, and, and act as visible and I'm not at the table. Meanwhile, I can be the one paying for the meal. You understand? And it's like, what? And then, so I come, I'll come home and I'll share this with a, with a white colleague or, 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 or I know they make excuses for, well, maybe um, that uh, the person you were sitting at that restaurant frequently, maybe this, maybe that it's always something rather than just hearing what I'm saying to you, you know, and don't you think I would have thought of that already? It's, it's a, it's a recurring um, issue in terms of behavior on the part of whites treating black people as though we are invisible, you know, and that is an issue and that's part of it. And the fact of the matter is um, it makes it, it, it made it easy to develop the friendship with you because you were a listener. You, 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 you heard, and you didn't uh, invalidate what I was sharing with you because Quite frankly, a lot of blacks are just, you know, fed up with talking to whites about about racism, you know, and 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 you talk about it all the time because you know whites want to share their opinion that's based that's just based on absolutely nothing, um, certainly not a life experience, um, and certainly not based on you know um, you know reading any books or or, or spending some sufficient amount of time in, in debate and discussion with, with blacks uh, or, or, or watching black movies, you know what I mean? So what is it based on? And you talk at great length and I love hearing you talk when you do your presentation about knowledge versus opinion. When we talk about, you know, what, uh, Mike, these you know, and I, I would, I would say this, Mike, if I had met you 10 years earlier, I wouldn't have been that listener. I'd have been mm -hmm. your typical white liberal who probably would have interjected or at the very least discounted everything that you said. And it was only because, because I, I had done that at, my, at college, at Bowdoin College. I had done that with one particular black student who was, you know, uh, uh, was in the same dorm as me, uh, who was not willing to just go along to get along and said some things to me. And I just thought, you know what, uh, I guess I can't be friends with this guy. That was roughly 10 years earlier. It was only because I think I at least started on the journey of trying to understand this. And by the time I met you in the late 80s, I had started to open my mind up. It wasn't all the way open. And I had already an immense respect for you from following you in the media. And so I knew that you were someone that I was going to learn something from. And I think 10 years earlier, I would have thought you can't teach me anything, which is, I think, where a lot of whites are. Black folks aren't going to be able to teach us anything. But I was on that journey, and I thank God that I was able to, to listen to you. And, and you were willing to accept me with all of the flaws that I had, all the racism, you know, that, I, that, I, that you knew I had and you saw that I had. You know, we, Mike and I talk about this racism ruler where 10 being like a, a KKK or a skinhead and down to maybe one being an anti-racist, which is what I consider myself to be in that one, two, three range. Um, but none of us, no white people are free of racism. We may harbor racist sentiment in various amounts. So Mike 
you know, you were willing to give me that opportunity to establish a friendship and trust in me that I would maybe move along that down that ruler in order to be someone that you could confide in and talk. And I think, again, that speaks to the uniqueness, you know, of our friendship. Well, it was it was easy, Bob, because you, you, you were just, you know, a decent guy, a great guy, you know, and that made it that made it much easier to 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 talk about things. And I I remember and, and you were very honest. And and I remember, you know, and I'm fast forwarding now to 92 after the uh, around the time of the Rodney King verdict. And we had some um, serious discussions about that. And your honesty just blew me away about, you know, the white response uh, to uh, the beating, the, the, the response uh, to the to the to the to the verdict. And uh, it repeated itself uh, a few years later with the um, the decision, uh, the OJ decision. Right. And we talked endlessly uh, about that. And uh, again, it was it was your honesty that was that was very very impressive um, uh, when we were talking about race. And 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 you know what, Bob? That's what we need. We need honesty. We need to be frank. We need to be candid with each other. Uh, when talking about it, because, you know, I'm not looking to score points with you, Bob, and, and you're not looking to score points with me. We're just having an honest discussion about the issue, the pain uh, uh, in, 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 in terms of uh, those two particular um, uh, events that I, that I just discussed, the pain um, that folks were feeling, the joy that folks were feeling in, 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 in some instances. And, in, in, you know, um, you know, no one, you know, wishes uh, death upon anyone, but um, the, the, the notion that a black man uh, beat the system um, uh, just um, uh, offended the sensibilities of, 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 of whites, um, you know, throughout this country, I would argue throughout the world. And, 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 and the fact that police officers who committed heinous crimes against black people in the the Rodney uh, King, uh, the first verdict out of Simi Valley, uh, where there was no outrage on the part of whites, but they were outraged because OJ beat the system, but they weren't outraged um, that the cops beat that system um, in, 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 in Simi Valley and had to be retried. And, and, and um, of course, um, found uh, guilty in a federal in the federal system. So we used to, in having those kind of talks, if we're going to talk about race, I like for us to be, you know, honest and, and, and frank about it. And if you don't know what you're talking about, it's like talking about physics. You know, I, I, all I could do is listen. You know, I mean, somebody start talking about physics. I mean, all I could do is really listen and ask questions, you know, uh, questions that, that, you know, to learn. And right. and it is so um, frustrating, is the word I think I want to use, to have these discussions with whites who just don't want to listen about to to um, this this talk about 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 race. And I got to say, you know, um, I don't think a lot of blacks are comfortable having a discussion about um, this inferiority complex. That you can't escape by. 